Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Kaderna podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and today I'm excited to be continuing our conversation on investing. So I know a complaint I hear from a lot of clients and just the general public out there is that it sometimes feels overwhelming with all this financial jargon and these new fancy terms that get thrown around by all these experts and gurus that are on the TV or in the papers. So I just want to take a step back and reassure you that it's not all that complicated sometimes. It doesn't need to be like learning a completely new language. And one of the other things to realize, if I could share two indisputable truths before we dive into today's topic, is number one, always remember that basics are basic. It doesn't matter what the topic of conversation is. When we're talking about the, the fundamentals, it should be explained in a way that we can all get it and at least have a brief understanding to, to have a, a knowledgeable conversation on the topic. All right, so we're going to talk about basics. I promise it won't get crazy. And number two, uh, and this isn't a shot at those experts and gurus out there, but just remember, because something simple is explained in a very complex way, it doesn't mean that you're any dumber for not understanding it or that that author is any smarter because they came up with some cool, fancy new terms. That's not always the case, guys. So today, what we're going to address are stocks, mutual funds, and ETFs, or exchange-traded funds. What are the differences between all of them? What are the pros and cons? And what you need to know so that you can have a better understanding of your own financial plan. Is going to require work and time and sweat and toil. If money wasn't an issue, what would I be doing? Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Change is the only constant. Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody. So I think whenever we start to bring up any investment opportunities for a client, an often knee-jerk response would be, well, Brian, which of those has a better rate of return? And as you might have heard me say on previous episodes about account types, because this provides a pretty good comparison, when we start to speak about a client's IRA or their college savings plan or their 401k and then the joint brokerage account between the two spouses, it's not that one of those gets a better rate of return just by virtue of being that account, but really all they are is just kind of like a bucket in which we decide which ingredients to put in that bucket, okay? So it's not a fair question to say which of those has a better rate of return because we don't really know what's going in there. It's very similar when we talk about a particular asset type. So which has a better rate of return, a stock, a mutual fund, or an ETF? You'll see in a moment why that's not really a legitimate question. So let's begin with the stock, because I think that's the building block of the next two that we're going to talk about. And this is kind of the originator. So we'll take it in chronological order. So to define a stock, it is a share of ownership within a company. So stock could be, you know, two brothers deciding how to split up their ownership in their pizzeria and how much stock each of them is going to own within that restaurant. Or stock could be somebody saying, I want to go invest a million dollars in shares of Tesla. All right. Both of these parties are talking about buying stock. But for today's purposes, we're going to address publicly traded stock uh, like Tesla and other companies you might be familiar with. So when you go to purchase a share or of stock in a publicly traded company, 
let's talk about fees first. Usually there may be like a brokerage commission or a trading charge you're subject to. But then once you're actually inside that stock or owning that stock, there's often not an ongoing expense associated with that. There's no professional management you get just by owning one particular stock, okay? But bear in mind, you're completely vested in the successes and failures of that underlying company. So think about that. A lot of advisors are always touting, you know, you need to be diversified. It's a safer method of investing. Well, if you own stock in one particular company, and let's assume it's a smaller company, if you remember last week's conversation on small cap, mid cap, large cap, one stock in one company in a smaller sector, that can leave you very isolated and obviously not offer much in the way of diversification. So you're all in on that one particular company, hoping that they do you know, well. Now, does a stock have a good or bad rate of return? It all depends on that company, all right? Somebody who invested, let's say, in Amazon over the past few years has probably enjoyed a much greater return than investor that had the same time frame with their money invested in shares of Macy's, okay? So that's where it's all about the company. That's the point that I want to drive home here. And now there's a lot of stocks out there to choose from. All right. As of this airing, February of 2021, there's roughly 3,500 publicly traded stocks here in America. So I know that that can be uh, you know, a little bit tricky of which to, to pick from, but that's the way that the uh, stock market works. Next up, we have the mutual fund. So a mutual fund, just to give a definition, is a professionally managed pool of money collected from many investors and invested across a diversity of holdings. Right? Those holdings can include stocks, bonds, cash, or maybe some even alternatives out there. And that's what would make up the fund's portfolio. So what the, the uh, investor is getting by having a mutual fund are perhaps two benefits. One, they're getting immediate diversification, okay? Let's take again at today's airing, which is February 17th, 2021. If you wanted to buy just one share of Amazon, it would cost you $3,318. And that's it. You got yourself one share of one company. Now, the same investor with the same about $3,300 could go at the same time and buy nine shares of Vanguard's S&P 500 index admiral mutual fund okay and now they have nine shares of a fund that's invested in 509 different companies okay so who's more diversified there the same amount of money one has one company the other has over 500 different companies within their portfolio so i would say that that's one benefit you'll hear about is a much easier way to get diversified with a smaller sum of money and then the second, like I mentioned in the definition, is you're getting professional management of that portfolio. So that's a good segue to talking about fees and expenses here. So when an individual goes and purchases a mutual fund, they may be subject to what's called a load, which is essentially like a commission upfront uh, to get into the fund. Then there very well may be management expenses uh, that you're subject to every year throughout holding that fund. Because remember, you're putting your money in there with thousands of other investors into this gigantic pool of money, 
And then you have a manager or a team of managers at the top picking and choosing which stocks that fund should be invested in. And so you're paying a premium uh, for that management expertise. That's essentially what a mutual fund is, guys. And so the oldest mutual funds were from the 1920s. That's really when they came into existence. And the oldest one still traded today would be the Vanguard Wellington Fund, which has been around since 1929. So now one thing that can get a little confusing, I will say, is today there's actually more mutual funds than there are publicly traded stocks. As of this airing, there's roughly 8,000 available mutual funds just here in the United States. So to say, well, does a mutual fund have a good or bad rate of return? Across 8,000 different products, there's going to be people that have had great experiences and people that have had not so great experiences. Next up, let's look at the ETF or the exchange traded fund. This has certainly been all the craze in recent memory. So ETFs came about in the 1990s. Uh, so they're certainly the newest of these three asset types. And what they are is quite similar to a mutual fund. ETFs are a pool of money uh, built by many, many investors. Okay, so this could be you investing a few hundred dollars with millions of other people out there putting in different sums of money. And now we have an ETF that could have billions of dollars uh, within that fund. Now, two big distinctions that I would draw. Number one, an ETF is typically passively managed, uh, where those mutual funds were actively managed. All right, so an ETF is often tracking an index, maybe the Russell 2000, the S&P 500, uh, etc. So because it is more passive, you're just kind of riding that wave, and there aren't those managers or those geniuses at the top trying to pick and choose the winners, you're usually not paying that premium. So ETFs traditionally have much lower expense ratios than a mutual fund may carry. Number two, ETFs are traded like stocks, meaning that they're bought and sold throughout the course of the day. Whereas mutual funds, those are bought and sold based on the closing price at the end of the day. Okay. So those are some of the main differences there. And a lot of people in recent memory have said, okay, well, if we look at those mutual funds, we're paying an extra management expense. And oftentimes they might just be in line with their benchmark or even underperforming that benchmark. So why am I paying that extra fee? Whereas the ETF removes a little of that concern by, like I said, being more of a passive, less expensive approach. Okay. And a lot of people obviously have appreciated uh, that new evolution that the ETF offers. And that can be evidenced by just even if we look at the numbers from last year. Through September of 2020, the outflows, so money going out of the mutual fund space, totaled over $317 billion. In that same time frame, the first nine months of 2020, inflows, money going into ETFs, totaled over $313 billion. So you can see there an enormous disparity of money leaving mutual funds and going into ETFs. And that's been happening for uh, quite some time over the past several years now. So I think that that gives a, a good basis for these three different stock types, the stock, the mutual fund, the ETF. I hope that that was helpful. But going back to that often asked question, which has a better rate of return? 
and also looking at the fees, which I know are at the top of everyone's mind today. So remember, folks, that cost is only an objection in the absence of value. So what I mean by that is what may appear, you know, to take an example, to be an expensive mutual fund in, invested in the technology sector probably had a much better rate of return rate of return in the past few years than what looked to be a very efficient, low cost ETF that was invested in oil and natural gas. All right. So just keep these things in mind uh, as you determine which investments are suitable for your financial plan. And even if we look at, let's say, that sector, the tech sector, don't always cast a broad net and go back to saying, well, I'll go back to the, the origin and invest in individual stocks because that's the ultimate inefficiency. And if I go into the tech space over the past three years, if we had that looking backwards type of crystal ball, uh, you could say, all right, well, in 2020, I would have invested in Apple because it went up 77% over that, that calendar year. Well, you can't just not lose because you could look in the same tech space and point to a company like Xerox that lost 37% in the year 2020. So hopefully this has been helpful, guys. Remember, stocks are like the ingredient, okay? They're like the raw ingredient where you're just partic uh, picking one particular company. The mutual fund is more of a recipe. Uh, where now we're getting many different ingredients or many different companies in that same account of ours, uh, even if it be the same amount of money that's invested in it. And we have these professionals at the top picking and choosing which are the finer ingredients as time goes on. And then the ETF, like I said, similar, except we have all those ingredients in there and we just kind of let it rest, let it mature and see what it does as a more passive approach. So if you have any questions out there, or again, if you have suggestions for future speakers, which we're always open to, please do email us at thecadernapodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you, and I can't wait to see you next week. Take care. The Caderna Podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not provide tax, legal, social security, student loan, mortgage, or real estate advice. Listeners should contact their own tax, accounting, or legal advisors, or the social security department in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Caderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Pass. 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Securities, product services, and advisory services are offered through Pass, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Nine 973-244-4420. Financial representative, the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Pass is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance, LLC, are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Pass or Guardian. Caderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance, LLC, a general agency of Guardian. Pass is a member of FINRA, SIPC. California Insurance License Number, OK04194. Content of the Caderna Podcast is copyright of Brian M. Caderna, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in any form is prohibited without prior permission from the Caderna Podcast. The views and opinions expressed herein may not be those of Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Guardian does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of, of the information or opinions presented herein. Any third-party materials referenced cannot be endorsed or verified by Guardian and are used as the opinion of the author. Guardian, its subsidiaries, or affiliates do not provide or issue or advise for mortgages. This material contains the current opinions of the author, but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries, and such opinions are subject to change without notice.